Knock, knock. You might not have time to bleed, but you have time for this ad because there's a great deal out there, and it ain't no man. It's Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. Fangoria has been delivering quality magazines since 1979, and each collectible issue features exclusive articles about your favorite monsters as well as up-and-coming terrors. Be sure to check out the Fangoria store website for subscriptions and a bunch of cool merch. And while you're there, use promo code WHATDOYOUDIESHOW for 20% off your entire order. That's right, 20% off your entire order. Applies to subscription and one-time orders. Applies to the first subscription order only. Now, it's time to talk about Predator. So stick around. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Have you ever felt a knife cut through human flesh and scrape the bone beneath? You're gonna need a bigger boat. Be my victim. You are all my children now. Hello, my name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Today, I am joined by an immensely talented visual effects artist. Uh, he's a computer animator. He plays the trumpet in a band called Rouge River Monsters, and he's been one of my best friends for the past 15 years. Please welcome Eddie Vineyard. Oh, thanks, Austin. Thank you for having me on. I'm so excited. You were supposed to be on like a long time ago <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when life, I first man. started. <laughs> life. <laughs> but I, I'm really excited because we are talking about the manliest movie ever made. Every time I watch it, I grow a little bit more chest hair. That's how manly this movie is. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. And I'm I'm surprised I've never talked about it. Well, that's not true. I've talked about it a bunch on this podcast. It's never been a topic, though. Right. And we were just talking about that beforehand. Like, I, I'm excited that this, that Predator is our topic. Yeah. Today. And I'm as well. Uh, long, long time listeners of this show. You might remember that very, very early on, I had a really fun episode with Eric and Vivi from the Shaken Not Scared podcast. Plugs to my homies about um, Alien versus Predator. But that's not a Predator episode. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And there's uh, plenty of talk in that episode about. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I've had a bunch of Xenomorph episodes like definitely a handful. I think the Xenomorph is one of my most picked monsters. Well, it's such an iconic monster just as well as the Predator. So I I, I don't disagree with anybody. If if that if we were going to discuss something else or if I'm back on the show again, it's probably going to be the Xenomorph next. And I, I will never pass up an opportunity to talk about the Xenomorph. But it's funny because those two are so intrinsically linked. I feel like every Xenomorph episode I've had, I've talked, I've I had to bring in Predator. Right off the gate, we're talking about the Xenomorph. Right. The Predator's first episode on my show. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm excited to have you on um something I'd I'd like to know, and to be perfectly honest, I'm pretty sure we've talked about this in our many years of friendship at this point, but the people listening haven't. So when did you first like become like a horror fan? I want to say probably since I've known you in that within the, I mean, I've watched horror movies. I mean, I, I'll go back if we go back to like what I grew up on. I was terrified of Halloween, Michael Myers, like that that is one movie that sticks in in my mind and i even had recurring nightmares about him chasing me down a street so that's really like my first take at horror and being terrified now it's more so getting the thrill of it and getting the thrill of the jump scares and everything from horror movies i mean if we look at over the last decade and two decades like all of the great horror movies that have come out along the lines of like insidious that like i think you were the one that i saw in city the very first insidious with if if i'm not mistaken i think you watched it at my house i have a vivid memory of that i i do because i'm pretty sure it was up in your room i, I it was either on your laptop or on your tv it, it was probably on your tv but i do have a vivid memory of watching insidious 
in your and and seeing a lot of horror movies for the first time with you and i'm gonna shout out our friend rico so i don't know if rico listens to the podcast but if you do here's your shout out (laughs) right really kind of like going back to high school and that in that era of time is right when my love and appreciation for horror, horror movies came out i mean yeah i i sat down always and typically watched before that everything that had came, come up on on like amc's horror fest or or what had now conspired to be horror fest on amc during the month of october i mean shout out to the both of us we're both born in october feeling that exactly. halloween roots <laughs> and that so so and then even too looking back like I have a distinct memory of watching back to back, like Children of the Corn, Salem's Lot, Pet Cemetery, like going, like, I love Stephen King. We could do, I could go on a complete tangent about Stephen King. We um, might. <laughs> but relaying all of the stuff back to those horror roots and like even my old fear of Halloween and Michael Myers. And then just as time has progressed and then you do get your funny ones where like Jason X, where he's in space and it's like, how does that make sense? But (laughs) that's really how I come to love my horror roots. And then even too, I'm an avid video gamer. So, and I'm not opposed to horror video games. So having a good jump scare from a video game is awesome. I, I just got like flashbacks to memories of watching you and Rico play left for dead. And I'm just hanging out watching and I think there would be parts where it's like, hey, Austin, do you want to play? I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good just watching. <laughs> yep. I'm also a very big zombie buff, so was fully into Walking Dead. I never really got into a lot of the side series and stuff, but I definitely totally love The Walking Dead. As you mentioned, Left for Dead, I, I completely loved both one and two. And then I'll shout out to the game that came out recently within the past couple of years, Back for Blood which is the original team that made Left 4 Dead. Oh, nice. So it kind of calls back and gives a little bit of an homage to what I grew up playing video game-wise in the horror aspect. As I'm, I'm not going to lie. Playing through Left 4 Dead w- was terrifying. It's like, yeah. are we going to get to the final safe house, and then are we going to make it through the next story portion of the story mission? <laughs> that was a scary game, and I, I didn't even play it. I was just watching. <laughs> I do want to give a quick shout out to one of our best friends, Andrew Zinzer, because oh, yeah. uh, I'm pretty sure he listens and uh, he was big in our horror horror. Night. I I think I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure he he watched some more. What's what's the word I'm looking for? The more extreme horror at the younger age, because like I remember him telling me about Reanimator and I'm yeah. like, what is this movie you're t- <laughs> you're telling me about and he's barely a year younger than me so but i I, he introduced me to a lot of stuff (laughs) well and that even calls back i think i think it was me you rico and andrew that watched a horror movie called burnt offerings that our band director told us about i don't remember that we we found it on youtube it was like part by part and maybe my memory might be serving me wrong but it might have just been me and rico but it could have been I think it was the four of us and it was just like part by part. And it was just this like weird, creepy movie where like people are either spontaneously combusting or like it was just like calling back to demonic things. And I'm like, what is this movie? I don't remember that. I do. That did make me think how we would all like, we would all go see the paranormal activity movies. We were really huge on those. Yes. But yeah, now I'm remembering watching a bunch of stuff at your house uh, for the first time. I remember you guys made me watch a Day of the Dead. <laughs> yep, we watched a good portion of the good classic zombie movies. So Day of the Dead, Dawn of the Dead, what else? Yep. Night of the Living Dead, I think we even watched at one point. I don't think I watched Night with you guys, but I- I'm sure you guys did. I don't think I was there for Night of the Living Dead because I-, I have a specific memory of watching Night of the Living Dead for the first time while I was in college. And I watched it on my laptop. And that's a great movie. I, I've seen it in much better viewing conditions since then. But it was a great movie just watching on my laptop. <laughs> right. Okay, so I'm going to bring it back. We're going to tangent for a second. I'm going to bring it back to your mentioning of Michael Myers. 
I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but I had a huge fear of Michael Myers growing up, too. I don't think we have talked about this. Like that. And that that's typically <laughs> like the recurring dream and stuff that I had. It, it, like, that's not something that I typically ever bring up in conversation. Now, every, now it's public. Now everybody knows. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the thing about podcasts. It's like something about it being so public makes you even more open than usual. <laughs> right. But, and it, it, yeah. it's completely like in the funny thing about it, it was like always if I stayed the night at my grandma's house and huh. it was down her street that he was chasing or quote unquote chasing me the slow right. walk and i'm like menacingly running as fast as i can away and then i if he got me i'd wake up mm, that's funny because like i i don't remember having any nightmares about making my my but i do remember vividly that he would be the one that would like when i couldn't go to bed i'd be thinking about uh making my my because like he was always on the AMC uh, Fear Fest. Like, I feel like it was always hor- um, Halloween 4 and 5. Sometimes it was 2. I've never saw the original plane when I was younger. <laughs> I feel like the only one that I saw when I was younger was 2. And 2's a I good mean, one. Correct me if I'm wrong. 2 is the one where it ends with the little girl. That's 4. Scissors. Oh, that is 4. So never mind. Yeah. Then you were, yeah, completely right. 4. So, like... Not that I have a fear of clowns, but like that just kind of screwed me up even more is the little girl turning into Michael Myers in a clown costume from Halloween. I'm like, oh, I had to take a step back on that. It's really fucked up. Like, that's a fucked up ending. (laughs) And especially when you're eight and then you see like a fellow eight year old do that nasty stuff. And then you have like that existential. Am I capable of such evil? I'm eight. Why am I thinking about these things? I should be right. thinking about dinosaurs. <laughs> right. I think that's funny because I've I've had people on the show and they've talked about how Jason would scare them. Or Freddy would scare them growing up. But for us, it was Michael. I mean, not that I didn't have my fear of those two, but like at the time, it was not like my dad was, or my parents were exposing me to horror movies and that. It was more right. so if I was in the room and like something scary popped up cover your eyes that's what i was i mean right i watched the sixth sense probably way sooner than i should with my dad and a lot of that was cover your eyes at this point (laughs) that's fair i um yeah my mom wasn't like showing me the saw movies or anything like that but um well it's funny because i actually the first time i saw saw was with my mom but i was I was in high school at that point, so that's different. And I remember because we Netflixed Saw before Netflix was a streamer. It was it, back when it was a uh, uh, Redbox. Yeah, like a DVD mailer. So I'm I'm aging us <laughs> with that admission. But um, I uh, I, I I didn't get a lot of exposure to Freddie and Jason. I knew who they were, but I feel like I was exposed to Michael a lot more. Well, I feel like. I mean, as we were talking about AMC Fear Fest, I, I feel like Halloween, not that Friday the 13th and not that Nightmare on Elm Street aren't staples of movies. They totally are. But I feel like AMC always goes to Halloween. Yeah. And I feel like they well, I think part of it is they always make sure they get the rights for Halloween Yep, and that they're always playing Halloween on Halloween. And I know they get the rights to nightmare in friday but i don't know if they get them every year right and i i'd have to say up until recently i think is the last times that i've seen like the original friday the 13th play amc during fear fest i remember a couple years ago it was plain i i didn't catch it this year i did catch jason x i I caught jason x too and (laughs) it's always like it's just funny to watch that one i love jason x i i'm a fan and you know jason x is not too far off from a Predator movie, if you think about it. Predator in space. Well, it's it's like now that we're talking about sla- like the iconic, the big three of slashers, I, I got a hot take for you. I don't know if people listening will consider this a hot take. Maybe you guys will. Who knows? But I think the Predator should be classified as a slasher. I could see that. I can definitely see that, especially with the hand-to-hand combat at the mm-hmm. that we see at the end with Arnold's character, Dutch. Versus the Predator, because it is kind of a mano y mano, two macho guys 
too, I say two macho guys. I mean, one macho guy and a macho alien. <laughs> and he's he's definitely a monster. Yes. And one of the great monster designs, courtesy of Stan Winston, just legend of monster design and creature effects. But I don't know. He operates more like Jason Voorhees and Freddy Krueger than he does the xenomorph or like a, the wolf man. Right. The other great monsters. So here's here's my argument. When you think of I'm going to use Jason as an example, because Jason's a good gold standard of what it is to be a slasher villain. You got a mask killer. Predator also wears a mask. Predator's also camouflage, so that's a double mask. Oh, exactly. Exactly. You get point of view shots, which are a staple in slashers. You get point of view shots in Halloween and in Friday the 13th and a lot of the Halloween ripoffs of the 80s. I'm trying to think of like a specific example. I think Peeping Tom is not a ripoff of Halloween. Peeping Tom came out in the 60s, but I think Peeping Tom had POV shots. Oh, Black Christmas, also not a ripoff of Halloween because Black Christmas came before. Black Christmas has the POV shots. POV shots are a staple of slasher movies and Predator has that. He is a masked killer, quite literally, as you said, double masked. He has iconic weaponry, like Michael Myers with the kitchen knife, Freddy Krueger with the uh, knife glove, Jason with his machete, and honestly, whatever he can get his hands on. And the Predator has the shoulder plasma cannon and like the really cool wrist blade, the sword thing, which he, spoiler alert, slashes Apollo Creed with. Yes. And then the way he operates... He's picking off the Marine commandos are they're commandos. I watched this movie for like the 500th time yesterday. They're mercenaries, but they're commandos. Anyways, they're they're It's Arnold's crew. Um, He picks them off one by one. Right. And I mean, I, I wrote it down as there's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man like it. And for Billy's character to be pretty silent, stoic. And then for somebody to say, Billy, you ain't afraid of no man. And then Billy to just state, there's something out there waiting for us. And it ain't no man. It's like that shows great fear. Yeah. Because at that point in the movie, they all recognize they're being hunted. Yeah. And uh, I'm glad you brought that up because it kind of reminds reminds you of like, that's what Dr. Loomis says about Michael. Like the whole entirety of the first Halloween movie is stuff like. That's not a that's the boogeyman and stuff like that. They do that same thing with the predator, kind of hyping him up. And then kind of like Laurie Strode or Sidney Prescott of the Scream movies, Arnold Schwarzenegger can't physically fight off the slasher in this instance, the predator. So he has to outsmart it. And that's why he's the final dude or the final girl when talking about Laurie Strode or Sidney Prescott or Nancy Thompson from Nightmare on Elm Street, those great characters. So right, and that's I'm actually gonna go back to I, I I just love the cinematography of doing a point of view shot because it's like nowadays a lot of the stuff that we see it's just it reveals the the creature right off the bat and it's like this movie just starts off with an ominous big VFX shot of Predator flying down and yeah getting shot or his a pod getting shot down onto earth and you're kind of just like what the hell is that and that but knowing what it is because i've seen the movie it's like okay that that's awesome and then like you don't see anything from the predator other than his point of view when he's stalking dutch's crew right which it's just these small reveals and you're hearing fragments of their conversations through through the predator's eyes and through and beautifully done with the, the thermal vision through through it, like because that just tells you, OK, this is something alien that's hunting these guys. Yeah, it's like this isn't a human hunting. This is this is something alien. And then even to the small reveal after <clears throat> after the predator's been wounded, where he's then patching himself up and that with his leg up on on a stump and he take he shuts off the cloaking and that all you're seeing is this hand these instruments that these otherworldly instruments that he has in his leg. And that actually kind of like gives a human aspect to it. Yeah. But you're also like, what the fuck is that? Exactly. Exactly. I, so I got, I got to ask, it's okay if you don't remember, but do you remember the first time 
you watch Predator? Oh, I don't. I couldn't tell you. I kind of do. I don't remember how old I was, but I want to say I was either middle school or high school. I want to say I was between 12 and 14. So er, so it was either middle school or early high school for me when I first saw Predator. And I watched it with my grandpa. And I specifically remember because uh, I think it just came on TV. So he called me down and goes, Austin, you have to watch this movie with me. I'm like, oh, okay. Because he knew I liked monsters and he knew I was finally old enough to watch the Arnold Schwarzenegger action movies that he loved. And I was, and I was down. I love Arnold. At least now I do because of those experiences. But I think I missed, I saw, so the first time I saw it, I think I missed the opening shots because I had no clue it was an alien monster. And I did, I was thinking, what the hell is that? <laughs> Because I missed like the opening shot of the alien spaceship. So I, I didn't know what I what was hunting them or whatever. But I didn't think it was an alien until it was like later in there. Like, oh, yeah, it's like an alien. And then you see it and it's like, oh, this will be part of my personality forever now. Well, and it, <laughs> so the last time I had seen it before I had rewatched yesterday was sometime during the summer and not that predator didn't make that enough of an impact but when i was flicking through the channels during the summer i'm like this isn't what i remember it to be and it it wasn't because like it was just like they were mowing the arnold's team was mowing down the camp and i'm like this it says predator but i really don't remember this why do i not remember this so and i think that's the other beauty of this movie is it's it's cinematically shot during the daytime. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are night scenes, but most horror movies have this dark, ominous feel to it. This is this is daytime during the jungle. I mean, that's yeah. one terrifying enough. Like, there's a bunch of shit in the jungle, a bunch of animals in the jungle that could be hunting you. I mean, we look at the scene where Matt gets attacked by a boar and that. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's during the nighttime. But that, I think, is the one time that something attacks them that is not the predator yeah it's during the night so right. i mean like that's the beauty of it like it it meets action horror all in one and it was just it's beautifully done the way that they did it because it shows that like okay this could happen in broad daylight yeah and and you're right there's not that many horror movies where most of the action takes place during the day at least most of the horror scenes um jaws is one I can think of off the top of my head and Midsommar. And those are vastly different movies from Predator. <laughs> well, I mean, I could say, okay, Children of the Corn, too, that takes place yeah. during the day. I mean, but, there's some nighttime scenes with it where, like, right. the, he who walks behind the rose is revealed at night. and But there are thousands of horror movies, and we came up with four others. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, that, like, I'm proving your point, you know? Because, like... So I'm going to bring one up as an example that proves your point by being different. I think that makes sense. Oh, well. But like Jurassic Park, that movie, I think a lot of people remember the daytime scenes, which aren't really the horror scenes. Because with the exception of the raptors in the kitchen, the horror scenes take place overnight. Right. The T-Rex breakout, the Dilophosaurus eating Newman, the T-Rex chase, and then even though a lot of the Velociraptor stuff happens during the day, uh, like the raptor attacks Laura Dern in the dark, scary shed or in the ominous kitchen with the low lighting. <laughs> right. So. Um, right. And the only yeah. thing that we get in Predator where he so called attacks is when he takes the body at night when they're distracted by the boar. He, yeah, he doesn't hunt them at night. The only reason he fights Arnold at night is because Arnold called him. So Arnold initiated that. The Predator didn't initiate that, which, uh, right. it, yeah. I, I have to say, too, oh, my God, the sound effect that the Predator makes, the, like. That, that was noise, really good. Like, I, I, I absolutely love that effect. I know. I plan on ripping that off in my upcoming short film, Spider, shameless plug. It should be done. I'm hoping it's done this December. 
So by the time this episode comes out, I don't think it'll be done, but it'll be really, really, really close. But it'll definitely be released in 2024. I'm excited for it. And for people listening, Eddie here is a uh, associate producer and a visual effects artist on Spider, which I'm excited about. And I'm very grateful for Eddie because I was not planning on having visual effects, but we we did, we need a a, a couple of shots kind of need it. So Eddie's coming in at the eleventh hour to save the day. <laughs> I'm happy to be on board on the team. I'm grateful to have been given the title of associate producer, and that I I really love what I've seen of the movie so far. The shots that I'm working on won't reveal anything in regards to them, but. <laughs> They're definitely Austin Torres taste. Um, <laughs> and I can see where he gets his inspiration from. Yeah, I uh, I don't want to talk about myself too much, but this film definitely, I think when people watch it, I think they'll see the Jurassic Park influence, the alien influence, Predator. There's definitely Predator influence in there based on what I've seen. I want to say and... what it is, but I, I, I can't. I got to leave some... Some I know secrets. we we got to leave those tidbits because we both we're both looking at each other and we could see yeah. the same, same wavelength is hit and we both know what we're talking about. I know. And it's like and it's funny because some of the stuff I think I told you this the other day and I'm going to carefully word it so I don't spoil anything. But like I knew from the beginning, Jurassic Park was a big influence and I do have my visual um, homages, but there's shots in there which I didn't realize I stole from Jurassic Park until we're editing. And I'm like, oh, that was unintentional. <laughs> but I, I do think, and you can um, you can tell me if I'm right or wrong, because you're also an artist and now a filmmaker. I do think a lot of the stuff that you watch in your formative years informs what you end up making in your professional career. Oh, completely. I mean, if I look at my own artwork... And if I take it out of the aspect of like, I, I work in automotive CGI and that car configurators are one thing, but like lighting, the way that I play, play with lighting and focus on, on lighting, I definitely play homages to Pixar and especially with their usage of color. And then as well as Disney, I went hog wild on a challenge at work that we did completely outside of the box. That was, it was a scene that we acquired from Pixar Pixar does a render challenge yearly and we download like our studio downloaded it. This is height of COVID. So a lot of our work got just kind of pushed off and we were told to like, we gotta keep our skills sharp. So there's this Pixar challenge render render of a kitchen and the kitchens kitchens, actually the kitchen from Lilo and stitch. So there's things in that kitchen that I play homage to like, there's like books stacked up on, on a table and one of the books that I have in there, it's like the art of marching. Mm -hmm. And then there's another one in there just because of how much I love the shining. It says tales from the overlook <laughs> or video game influences that I chose as color schemes. Like I went completely like yellow and blue and it's not for U of M it's totally vault boy from fallout. I got to say, I saw, I saw some uh, pictures from the new fallout show coming out next year so when you mentioned vault boy it made me think of those i'm like that show actually looks pretty good <laughs> you ready for me to throw it real back sure back in the day listeners so spider I i'm very excited for spider i i've been pouring a lot of like effort into this for the past couple of months but it's not our first film collaboration technically because when we were in high school we would make a bunch of monster movies with like my little um standard definition like i think it was 360 or 480 like my little camcorder that my grandma got me for christmas one year and um uh, and we would make little monster movies yep <laughs> and uh those were a lot of fun to make because it because it was just us grabbing our friends and i would tell you guys to do stupid shit <laughs> and i just happened to have a panda costume <laughs> I, I was gonna spare i was gonna spare you from uh the details but if you if you want to share them i'm i'm no, I mean, okay with it <laughs> we, we've talked about this like the very first animation that i did in college was my intro course 
was paying homage to what we called Attack of the Panda. I did. Oh yeah, I, I remember I did, the animation. I did an animation where this panda gets mad that the his bamboo forest is taken over by a city, and he just goes and destroys the city. <laughs> if I look back at that animation now, I don't know that I'd want it publicly shared. I don't think I have <laughs> it publicly shared anymore. But well, I mean, we gotta learn, <laughs> right? And I'm a little sad because a lot of the Attack of the Panda stuff is lost media. It was on a hard drive that got corrupted. And there's some there's some remnants of that stuff on YouTube. It's private. I'm trying to make a living as a filmmaker. Those are not going to be public ever <laughs> again. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. But I do rest easy knowing that some of it survived and will be on the Internet forever. Right. But unfortunately, some of it is lost. So now I back up everything because <laughs> I'm never going to let that happen again. No, that's completely understandable. I mean, to even play on that homage wise, if I look back to that uh, in our phases of Attack of the Panda, I did some VFX in the later versions of that and like Attack of the Panda 5 or Attack of the Panda 6. Yes. <laughs> For our listeners, there were that many of them. Yep. <laughs> I even did some scoring for one and wrote music for one. And I, think, I I used it. And I know you used it. And it was very much, yet again, back to my love of The Shining. It was very much playing on that uh, the ominous opening scene. Like, I used that as my inspiration when I did the music writing for it. It's so funny because, like, I've revisited what I've had of them. Um, not recently, but a little while back, just to see, like, like, I don't know. I, I was just curious to see if they held up. They don't. But, <laughs> but I'm looking at them and I'm like, because I didn't, we didn't know anything. But even back then, I knew, like, shoot the panda from a low angle to make him look like a monster. <laughs> I distinctly, I mean, even too, I distinctly remember when you figured out how to do a dolly zoom on my front porch. Oh, that's right. <laughs> a technique I overused in those high school movies. But, you know, like, I feel like when you're that young, you overuse those fun techniques because you're just so excited that you learned something. Right. And uh, and like, yeah, and we there'd be a lot of these classic like monster shots. Like, I remember I did POV shots because I was thinking of Jaws <laughs> mm -hmm. and other stuff. I know one of them. We got a bunch of panda puppets, so that allowed me to uh, play with, like, the birds. And I think I had, like, a little alien scene where a panda came out of someone's chest. <laughs> I think so, too. I mean, I think we even, if you know where we're from, there used to be a coffee shop called The Grind. I think that is, like, one of my last distinctive memories at that coffee shop was when we did a scene. And it was completely random. I was there hanging out with other people, and you were, you happened to be there at so came in at some point and had panda puppets with you and we we ended up shooting a scene for attack of the panda there <laughs> i forgot there was a period in my life where wherever i went i just had a couple i always had my camera and a couple panda puppets just in case <laughs> but uh i still have some of those puppets somewhere but but yeah and i i do know in one of them i uh i did rip off predator because you got it. It's Predator. Yeah. The iconic monster movies. But seeing what I'm doing now, and I'm like, yep, I'm still ripping off Jurassic Park and Alien and Predator. <laughs> I've seen a lot more movies in uh, the 10 and 15 years since we made those movies. So I've expanded my inspirations and my visual knowledge. But the core is still the monster movies, you know? Absolutely. I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that, like play, paying homage. And I mean, even too, like I still have my original portfolio website up from when I first started out right after college. Uh, I don't send that out if I interview for a new job or if and that is not something that I send out publicly. But if I want to go back and look and have a humbling experience like, OK, this is where I've this is where I've started eight years ago before I got into my professional career and then I look at what what I have up on my art station now I'm I'm very humbled and very proud of how far I've come and as well as like taking look and inspiration and reference from other things I mean that's that's how you thrive and you grow exactly so, 
and I'm sure, I mean, musically, we both played trumpet. We both, we both have an affinity for John Williams, a John Williams theme. And we both have an affinity for Alan Silvestri. Yes. Who I think did a phenomenal score for Predator. Yeah, I would agree. The, the sound work in general for Predator between the Foley effect and the soundtrack, everything hands down. Like it adds so much emphasis to the monster aspect of it. And, and it's iconic. Like he does this thing with the drums or like, do, 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 do. It's, but it's so like, I don't know what exactly he's doing to those drums because it sounds so alien and so unique. And I don't think you can replicate it without, I don't think you could do that technique without people think, thinking, oh, it's Predator. Right. That, yeah. And that is such a distinctive sound. Like I, I can't even describe what it is with because it, it's like it's some sort of ho- it sounds like it's some sort of hollow stick against a drum, some sort of hollow type drum and that. But it's, it, you're right. It is so distinctive. If I saw that in something else or I if I heard that in something else, I would instantly be like, oh, I'm going to have a moment with Predator here. Right. And I think the Predator has an, a really, a really great motif to go with him. Although I'm going to I'm going to be super nerdy about the score for a second. So bear with me, guys. The Predator main theme is not the theme of the Predator. And I think some of the later movies mistake that. And by that, I mean, Prey. It's literally my only problem with Prey. I think that is a five star perfect movie. I love Prey. My only critique of it. And, you know, I could think of movies perfect and have a critique of it because no movies are perfect. And I think it pray earns so much goodwill with me that I'm like, I'll give it the five stars. But here is something I would have done differently. I don't think my big beef with with pray is it doesn't keep up the musical continuity with the rest of the franchise, because before pray predator had amazing musical continuity. The only ones that didn't were the alien versus predator movie, and they didn't have musical continuity with the alien franchise either. So I don't care as much. But that's a marriage <laughs> between both of the franchises. So it's allowed to be alien at that point. The, exactly. But with Prey, I'm like, my only disappointment with with it was it didn't keep up with, with the musical continuity. And that's not to say the score is bad because the score for Prey is really good. But I, I'm a sucker for music and I love musical continuity. Like, that's something that Star Wars has always gotten right. Star Wars got it right. I mean, Harry Potter got it right, and they they shifted composers. Yeah. I don't remember which film, but, like, I think... Well, a couple of them, I think. Like, they stopped using John Williams after Prisoner of Azkaban. Yeah, and that the musical continuity, not that it's horror, but it's still right. always musically... You still felt part of the same world. And music does, like... it. If we watched any of these movies completely silent and just subtitled, it it would be a completely different feeling. And that and that that music is what brings you into that world. And horror, it depends on the franchise because some franchises know when they have a musical identity. So Jaws, Halloween, they they knew not to fuck with the music. Yes. Nightmare on Elm Street's pretty good with the musical continuity. Friday the 13th, that one varies a bit, but it generally always remembers a... Alien has horrible musical continuity. (laughs) (laughs) Which is funny because they generally have very great scores throughout, but um, that that franchise, terrible. I rewatched Aliens the other day, and there's like almost no returning music from the original, except for one part where I'm pretty sure they just reused score from the original because <laughs> it was good music. Hell, Gremlins 2 doesn't really use the Gremlins theme until the end credits. Gizmo's, Gizmo's theme returns, but not that doesn't show up in Gremlins 2 until the credits is such a big part of the original. Mm-hmm. Back to Prey. I, I told you guys, I'm a nerd when it comes to film scores. <laughs> when it comes to Prey, they use the da 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 
to represent the Predator, but that's never represented Predator. That theme's always been the theme of the protagonist. Like the da 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 dum da 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 da. You hear that theme when Arnold's helicopter is going into the CIA base, and it has that cool brass boom 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 boom. Because that's a manly, like that is a theme fitting of Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, it's uh, I'm a badass. I'm coming in to fight. Right. Not that the Predator's not a badass, but the Predator's a badass in a different way with the, those drum clicky things that are going on. In yes. The... <laughs> I love that I don't have to edit in a Predator sound effect. I can just use that. That clicks really good, dude. But um, but no, that's that's exactly right. And like even in Shane Black's The Predator, which came out in 2018, that they use that for the Sterling K. Brown character. They use that theme for like the Adrian Brody character and his makeshift crew and Predators. And then in Predator 2, it kind of represents Danny Glover and his um, LAPD squad. The theme that accompanied Predator, in addition to like the little drum, I think it's best heard when Billy is uh, taking off his shirt because he's a macho man and then he's cutting himself with a machete because he's a macho man and then he goes out like a little bitch. Um, probably lasted way longer than I would against Predator, but still. <laughs> well, I, I mean, to be fair, I think the both of us, I, if if I knew from the beginning what Arnold knew at the end, yeah, maybe I'd use the elements against it and try to sneak my way out and just cover myself in mud, but I, I, I'm totally dying. Oh, well, well, we'll we'll get to that. That's at the end of the episode. We'll we'll get there. (laughs) But no, that scene, which is a great scene. It's one of the best tension scenes in any movie for me. And even I've seen this movie hundreds of times at this point. And every time I'm like, I get chills. And I think music is a big part. And that's the Predator theme. The boom, 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 boom. Which you mentioned The Shining earlier. It's kind of a riff off of the um yes. the Desiree, which I also think the Raptor motif in Jurassic Park, same thing, like a four-note riff on Musically the do it. They rip off each other. I mean, <laughs> but that's a good I mean, John Williams straight up quoted the Desiree in Star Wars. He put it with the uh force theme when Luke goes <laughs> home and realizes his and an uncle's been killed by the Empire, um, right. which and is I mean, a great moment. Well, and there's so many, like, there's so many of these themes too that, like, they even call back to go into Gustav Holst a little bit. That we, like, it calls <laughs> back to the da 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 from Mars, right. and Mars as well also has like that ball. But yeah, that was a, that note was a bit too low for me. Like the bomb, bomb, bomb. That's also similar to yeah. The Shining and like the Predator, the actual Predator theme, which is da 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 da. That's the Predator main theme because that's the theme of the movie and the theme of Arnold, who is a Predator. But it's not the theme of the alien, which I think in the comics he's called the Yautja, which I don't. I never got into the Predator comics. Yeah, I can't say that I ever got into the Predator common comics I've, either. I've bought a few. It's funny. I went to Free Comic Book Day and I bought comic books. How does that work? I got my free ones too, but no, that's why they love free comic book day because they get suckers like me to come out. And then because I don't go to the comic book store often, I have to drop like 75 bucks. No, I, I'm totally <laughs> the same way. Like, and yet again, back to our like typical, like between, between college and su- during the summers and that, that was like me, you and Andrew's thing is going comic oh, yeah. Wednesday. we'd always go get our new comics on wednesday oh yeah that was a lot of fun but not this year but the last year i went to free comic book day and uh i was just kind of looking through just seeing what they have and they i don't know if you know knew this but they made archie versus predator so i bought the whole set <laughs> i i haven't read it yet so i don't know if it's good but it's archie versus predator i mean it's good i i know it <laughs> I I literally had to just Google to verify that like that was what I was thinking it was and it is and I'm like yeah. I might be asking for that for Christmas. <laughs> but yeah, so 
Yeah, I think the Yaucha, that's what they're called. But um, back back to the Predator score, that, that's just my critique of Prey, is it doesn't use the alien theme, and instead it kind of riffs on the which represents Arnold, or the protagonist, but they use it to represent the alien, and I'm just like, ugh, Prey, so close. I mean, I'm still going to give it five stars because that is a badass movie. I love Prey. It's one of my most watched recent movies. That's the 2022 Hulu, right? Yeah. Definitely have to give that one a watch. My other beef with Prey is not Prey's fault. It's fucking Disney. (laughs) Why the fuck are you putting a Predator movie straight to Hulu? I'm sorry. No disrespect to Hulu. But the Predator is a big boy franchise. That is a big screen movie. And Prey would have made a lot of money because Prey was really good. <laughs> it's And it boggles my mind because I remember they were like, Prey broke Hulu records. It's the biggest Hulu opening, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, first off, that doesn't mean anything because has Hulu ever had a big opening? Yeah, what do you what defines a big opening on a streaming service? Right. Like Stranger Things, when that drops on Netflix, sure. I, I get that. But that's and people were talking about it that weekend, so I know a bunch of people saw it. But if you put that movie in theaters, it was a week August, August of twenty twenty two. And you know, I really think Prey would have dethroned Top Gun and it's um, Top Gun Maverick and it's like 40th week. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Because uh, I think Top Gun Maverick held the t- the number one movie of the week for like that entire summer, except for one weekend it gave up the crown to Jurassic World Dominion and then it took it right back. <laughs> but, you know, Prey, I think something interesting about the Predator franchise is you're going to get both the horror crowd and the action crowd. Yeah. I I would completely agree because those movies are both action and horror and there's not too many action horror movies. There's a few. Like I think the Purge movies are action horror. Yeah, the Purge, I mean they're in their a category of their own. They're definitely action horror. And they're... then uh I think now that yeah, there's not that many. I don't know if you ever seen a movie called Upgrade came out 2018. I think that's a really good movie. That's like a sci-fi horror action kind of movie. Aliens is action horror. But yeah, not too much. Not too many. Dog Soldiers. That's an action horror. Dog Soldiers is a great movie. It's basically the plot, the plot of Predator with werewolves. Mm -hmm. Fantastic film. Highly recommend. But yeah, not it's funny because you get so many sci-fi horror and you get so many sci-fi action. Right. But action horror isn't that often. And a lot of times action horror has sci-fi like Predator <laughs> or Aliens. Well, and to be honest with you, like if you sat somebody down that has not seen Predator and that or had no preconceived notion about it and they're they're going into it, they would totally think it's an action movie. Like, like I was saying earlier, like about what I was thinking during the summer when I was watching it. And I'm like, this yeah. isn't Predator. It's totally just <laughs> an action movie. I'm like, this has got to be on the Rambo lines or something. Yeah, this is and just that. your generic Arnold action movie. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, yeah, this is. Yeah, when it decides, decides like 30 minutes and actually we're a horror movie. <laughs> yep, We are a slasher. <laughs> Yeah, when you get the first shot of the three three men strung up, completely skinned, it's like, oh yeah. my god, what are we watching? We're <laughs> in for a drive. Oh yeah. And I, I think there are some people out there that don't consider Predator a horror movie, which they're wrong. I, I, I've, I've stated my case and I'm just going to claim victory, but I, I, I'll, I'll give a little bit of leniency because I could... I think a lot of people define horror as scary and I could totally see in Predator as not a scary movie. There's scary stuff in it. Like I I'd shit myself if I saw skinned men hanging from a tree. I'd be terrified if somebody told me the jungle came alive and took Hawkins. Yeah. But I don't think and it does have some pretty good jump scares that first Predator movie. But I don't think it's scary 
in a way that like I didn't get nightmares when my grandpa showed it to me when I was 12. Right. And I still got nightmares for movies when I was 12. I remember Paranormal Activity fucking me up <laughs> and Insidious, you know, but I've I've always thought ghost and demon movies were inherently scary. That's a whole different conversation. <laughs> yeah, the both of us, I think, are on the same page as that, but that's our similar upbringing. Yeah, yeah. But like, but I can see why people don't think Predator is scary. But at the same time, it's like, just because it's not scary to you doesn't mean it's not horror because it's one scary to someone else, I'm sure. Like you watch Predator at the right age, it, it could fuck you up. And two, horror doesn't have to be scary Horror has to be, I mean, scary helps. And a lot of horror movies are scary, but horror has to either scare or disgust or um, horrify and like, or even evoke the emotion of fear. Right. Or dread. And I think that's something Predator does very well is dread. Like it doesn't scare me, but I, even now watching it, I've seen it hundreds of times. You can feel the dread in the characters. Right. As soon as they find the first chopper that went in and that and Arnold's character is putting two and two together, he's like, why, why in the fuck am I here? Why, why are my men here? And that because and then after they they go to the encampment and completely destroy it, move everybody out of it. He blows up at I'm terrible with the names of characters as well, but he blows up at. Oh, you're talking about Carl Weathers character? Yeah. Dylan. Yeah, he blows up at Dylan about like, why did you bring me and my men here? And that and then he's told, well, you're expendable. I love that scene so much. You set it up. Oh, he's hot take. This is Arnold Schwarzenegger's best acting performance. Oh, yeah. I, I, I truly think that by far it's his best. And he's had good ones. Um, Like, I, I think. His performance as the Terminator is perfect. Yes. He's really good in Total Recall. But I think Predator is just, I think that's where I don't see Arnold anymore. That's where I see a character mm -hmm. that's not the Terminator. <laughs> right. To be fair, you're, anything that has had him that he's in that is not the ter Terminator, you're kind of like, the one is he getting shot and have half of his face falling off. Right. Like a lot of his movies, I'm like, oh, it's Arnold, mm -hmm. which that that's what I mean. Arnold's a brand at this point, you know? Yes. And he was able to masterfully bounce between action into comedy. But in Predator, I forget he's Arnold and I see Dutch. Yes. And I also think it helps that he's working with a great director and John McTiernan who went on probably one of the best three film runs ever with Predator right into Die Hard, right into The Hunt for the Red October. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that, yeah. <laughs> like, what a run. Because, <laughs> I mean, even Spielberg, like, he goes, Jaws, Close Encounters, 1941. <laughs> which yeah. I like 1941, but it's not Jaws, Close Encounters, or Raiders, which came right after <laughs> Although Spielberg made Jurassic Park and Schindler's List in the same year, so he don't need to go on a three-movie run. He made two of the best movies ever made at the same time, and they're completely different. <laughs> I also, I want to relate, I'm going to reel back, like, just thinking yeah. about it. I don't know, if, do you remember, I know at least my class in high school, we read a short story called The Most Dangerous Game. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I'm that, very familiar it, with that story. It's totally a short story where the most dangerous game is man. It's so, a he Hemingway, right? Um, I'd have to look that up. I think it I, might be. I remember we had to read it. To no, it's Richard Connell. The Hounds but, of Zarloff. Yeah. I mean, you you totally get an homage to that from Predator. Yeah. Because Predator is Zarloff and the commandos are what? Zaroff's hunting mm -hmm. and I mean I just I remember that short story as it just kind of put you on edge like that somebody would hunt you in a forest and that and that's really kind of s summarizing the most dangerous game yeah down to the, the base level of it and 
essentially that's what we have here with predator is it is very much you're being hunted yeah yeah and uh i do think that influence is clear and i don't think other than adaptations of the most dangerous game i don't think you get that too often in media craven the hunter of the spider-man comics he's definitely probably even a closer homage than predator but it's the same right right it's definitely like this was one of the fair few short stories that i think i've read in ninth grade that probably i could say this is the only thing at this point that i could name off that i read i don't remember which grades i read what but i do remember reading edgar Allan poe in high school yeah i want to say poe was also in ninth grade as well in ninth grade was kind of in that dark dark area of literature that the medieval literature that we were reading i do remember the most dangerous game i remember like a lot of edgar Allan poe like the raven and Tell- telltale heart and the black cat i remember reading frankenstein but that was one i picked but yeah i um i love predator it's one of my favorite movies of all time and i'm really glad that i got to talk about it before the 100th episode and i'm glad I'm that glad that we both got to talk about it together. <laughs> yeah, Since I'm this glad was that like, it was you. This was, God, how long have we talked about having me on Would You Die? Since and, before I launched. <laughs> yeah, and that's what were the first words out of my mouth? We're talking Predator. Yeah. like That was hands down my choice. And I, uh, it's funny how it worked, how it worked out because uh, you're in a band. You have a bunch of animation work that you have to do so you're busy and it's hard to like align our schedules but we i'm, I'm proud of us we made it work yeah because uh normally i i uh i just like when we do get the chance to hang out i want to hang out <laughs> right but something i do love about podcast like i consider it work and i work hard at it but it don't feel like work this portion of it at least i love recording episodes oh yeah this is this is definitely we've had conversations like this without it even being recorded i mean if if we had if we've been recorded ever my god you'd have probably hundreds of thousands of episodes (laughs) yeah i should have i should have always had a microphone with me instead of a panda puppet (laughs) right right uh, but man, this has been a blast. I'm I'm so happy I finally got you on and that uh I finally got to talk about the Predator. Where can people find your work? If you go to a website called ArtStation and look me up, I am Edmund Lita Vineyard on there or E Lita V. So E B L E E D A V. Uh you can find my artwork up there. It's mainly automotive focused, product design focused, or product rendering focused. So I am a senior 3D artist and I'm heavily focused within lighting and shifting focus is now more so into Epic's Unreal Engine. I've been using Unreal Engine since Unreal Development Kit 3. So, and that was what was used to build on older versions of Unreal Development Kit was used to build Unreal Tournament. But the Unreal games and Quake, so on and so forth. So I'm heavily focused into working with my studio currently at a company called 3D Excite, where we are shifting our traditional CGI pipeline of Maya, V-Ray, and Nuke into Unreal Engine. So I've been heavily hands-on at approaching new lighting styles. And that, and a lot of my work currently has that is automotive focused on there is experimenting of what actually gets put into our production work. And then as Austin said, I'm also in a band and I am, my band is called Rouge River Monsters. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. I think we have a Twitter or an X account. I don't know yet, but we do have a gig coming up December 9th at 342 Bar and Grill here in Michigan in Dearborn Heights. Yeah, that is this Saturday, guys. Yeah, so come check us out. We we play, our tagline is Rude Jazz, Old Soul, and Rock and Roll. You would think I would know that by now. <laughs> I, I made the logo, so I know it's in the logo, but I think it is Rude Jazz, Old Soul, and Rock and Roll. Hell and that, yeah. Uh, so it's 
everything from Boss Skaggs to Chicago. We do so much stuff music-wise. I don't want to say hodgepodge, but it's hodgepodge. It's all over the place. We have four-piece horn section, guitar, bassist, vocalist, drummer, and then as well as two backup singers. I can't wait for you guys to do a a hard rock cover version of the Predator theme. We are currently looking at making additions into our book, so that could come. The ideas. (laughs) Uh, And I'll put links to all that stuff as well in the show notes if you guys want to click as well. So thank you so much for being on the show. This episode has been such a blast. Yeah, thank you for having me, Austin. I enjoyed this a lot, being able to talk about Predator for however long we just talked about Predator and talk about horror and talk about our influences and stuff. Oh, yeah, this was this was a fun one. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Thanks again to Eddie for joining me today. I am so glad I finally had him on the show and to finally talk about Predator. One of my favorite people in one of my favorite movies doesn't get much better than that. A reminder, I just became an affiliate for Fangoria, one of the premier brands in horror. I definitely recommend checking out their magazine and even subscribing. And if you decide to do that, don't forget to use the promo code WouldYouDieShow for 20% off your entire order. You can find the show's social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. Also, now you can follow me on TikTok at Would You Die Podcast. And if you're able, please share this show. Please rate it. Please comment. Whatever little interactions you're able to do really helps this show grow a lot. And it means the world to me. I try and see everything, and I'm pretty much... I, I mean, I'm, this is still a small podcast. I see everything. So, uh... When you guys do the little stuff to help me out, it truly means the world to me. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel, where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music you hear in the beginning and end of each episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. Next week, we are talking about an iconic classic monster who also somehow never had an episode on this show before. But you know what? This one, it's alive! Until next time, I'm Austin Taurus. Try not to die.